This podcast, Cutting Room Combos, may not be suitable for younger listeners. In addition to a language advisory, this episode brings up self-harm, nudity, and conversations of violence. Listener discretion is advised. All right, welcome to Cutting Room Convos. I'm Yasmin, and I want to see Michael Myers walk on a 5K run. <laughs> I'm Jenny, and there is no amount of money that will make me go down to a basement with 12 ghosts. Yeah, great. Yeah, so... <laughs> it leads in, right? It yeah. leads into the movie that we saw today. Yeah, which was 13 Ghosts, um, based off of the 1960 original, directed by William Castle, and then the remake, 13 Ghosts, uh, directed in 2001 by Steve Beck. That's his real name, William Castle? William Castle, yeah. The irony of the house being the most important part and his last name being Castle. Seriously, though. So basically, in both movies, the um, storyline is very similar in which a family inherits a haunted house from a dead uncle. Mm -hmm. And then they find out not until, well, they they find out at some point that the house is haunted and has 12 ghosts in it and that there Mm -hmm. needs to be a 13th ghost. So I thought it was really interesting. Uh, The 1961 uh, focuses on Dr. Zorba who had passed away and was known for hunting ghosts and inherits, or sorry, gives his house to the family. Bequeaths. Bequeaths. (laughs) There's a word for it, I know. (laughs) Bequeaths the house to the family. I know, it sounds so fancy now that I think about it. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, so um, basically the Zorba family uh, was in need of a house because the house they were living in their furniture was being repoed. That was basically the main reason why they couldn't live in their old house. Because he wasn't making enough money to pay it. Right, yeah. And then in the middle of the kid's birthday party, he makes a wish. I wish we lived in a house that was, you know, furbished. or that That's the right word for it, right? And so the minute he blows the candles, wind is rushing in into this house that has no windows open. <laughs> and then the doorbell rings and then silence. And I loved how the black and white movies were back then where they used silence and they needed to use overly dramatic music when something very subtle and creepy was about to happen. So when uh, Mr. Zorba, the father, opens the door, silence, then all of a sudden this like really creepy, ugly looking face comes out, Mr. Zorba, I have a letter for you. <laughs> that was a creepy motherfucker. Like, yeah. Sorry. And I'm like, already starting to swear and we're only like <laughs> three minutes in. <laughs> no, yeah, and like cue the strings. And it was just... Strings are creepy. It, it They really are. And honestly, in the black and white movies back then, the music really brought, I guess, the scary vibes from yeah. those movies back then. Otherwise, without it, it, it would be rather boring. But you got to think about, like, the tolerance that people probably had in that day, too. Like, scary movies were fairly new, and, like... That's true. Anything, like, that creepy dude who comes in delivering the message probably scared <laughs> someone shitless yeah they had to real. leave their little theater in their little dresses or whatever the heck they wore back then yeah right <laughs> but can i mention something about the current movie because mm-hmm. you said that the music is really the prominent part of making a scary movie in the past mm-hmm. but in this movie the 2001 version i noticed there was a lot of okay let me start over when i was a kid my cousins lived in Cicero, and their Halloween decorations, over the top, right? They had dummies and mannequins and spiderwebs and all that shit, including they nice. would flicker the lights on and off inside the house and play a track, like a CD. Ooh. And the CD had creepy noises on it. Tell me you didn't hear these creepy noises in the 2001 film. The oh ooh and the ha 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 the cackle of the witch. <laughs> I'm telling you. It's just, as I was watching the show, or this movie, the 2001 one, I was noticing all these, like repeats of the same sound effect like someone was sitting at the soundboard just click (laughs) (laughs) okay yeah here's this view of this hallway again okay press button number two okay (laughs) (laughs) so i think i I think it's like a combination of the music and the sound effects in this in the 2001 movie as opposed to just you know the whooshing sound of wind and strings of the first movie this 1960 version that's true and, you know, that, that's a good point that you mentioned the, uh, the sound effects as well, because I remember uh, hearing in the movie some, I, I'm guessing, some sound effects of, like, a man yelling in pain or suffering. Mm-hmm. And 
anyone could assume that it could have been any of the ghosts in the house, but I would like to think that it could have been Dr. Zorba, like, before his death. Like, mm. moments, like, when he was about to die, he was, like, yelling or something. Because, you know, in the first movie, the way that he died, it was in his bed, and there was a button, apparently, that you pressed to lower the canopy that was hovering over For the bed. For what reason? I don't know. There wasn't even, like, a secret passage? No, not at all. And I, I, I don't know, maybe... To clean it? I don't know why you would need that feature. Right, and especially if you're almost at that height, reach over it. I'd... Just step on the bed. Just step on the bed. There you go. <laughs> and, like, the lowering canopy also, I felt that was a foreshadowing of Lawyer Ben's death. Because... It was Lawyer Ben who pushed that canopy button and killed mm -hmm. Dr. Zorba to begin with. And then, sure enough, in the end of that movie, Lawyer Ben sees Dr. Zorba's spirit, apparently, and is frozen in place, but being gently pushed into the bed as the canopy is lowering. That sounds a little silly to hear you recreate it. Because <laughs> I didn't get to watch the end of the movie. I did, in fact, fall asleep. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I don't blame you. <laughs> Yeah, um, but I thought that was a very interesting death scene for that, especially when in the background you see, because earlier the youngest kid mm -hmm. was uh, Buck. He was in Buck. the bed. His name is Buck. What the fuck? <laughs> he was uh, in the bed, sleeping still somehow. Lawyer Ben somehow brought him to the bed with, you know, without waking him up at all. Tried lowering I the mean, candy on him. Tell me that you haven't slept like a freaking rock when you're a kid. I mean, yeah, you're right. My parents would probably hit my head against the door and try to walk me to the bed. <laughs> and I'd still, like, be asleep. But um, I couldn't find any particular reason why Lawyer Ben... I'm calling him Lawyer Ben in both That's of these okay. movies. I couldn't find a reason why Lawyer Ben felt the need to put Buck under that lowering canopy. Like, why sacrifice him because in both the original and the remake lawyer ben's only motive i guess was the money mm -hmm. he, he wanted to get the dead uncle's money mm -hmm. and and dip but why sacrifice the kid if you already thought that you got what you needed or what you wanted well i mean hmm. in the older movie did they know that they needed a 13th ghost uh yeah eventually at some point they did but they didn't discuss at all how, like, mm -hmm. the 13th ghost would come about or how... That's the only thing. I mean, I don't know exactly when he, when Lawyer Ben got this information, but maybe he was like, well, here, you can be the 13th ghost. Let me just kill the kid. Mm. Maybe it was like, he thought, well, you know, because I'm after a dead guy's money, maybe if I sacrifice this kid as, like, you know, an innocent soul mm -hmm. in place of mine that way the ghosts don't come after me or something like that did the kid know something maybe that lawyer ben didn't want getting out well he the kid found out where the money was oh he did by like constantly sliding down the stair banister and every time he slid down a couple a hundred dollar bills would pop out which by the way that money <laughs> Looked like pieces of cardboard. Really? It was like, it did not, you didn't see like a president's face money. on there. Yeah, it was bad. <laughs> like Monopoly money, but like, like blown up three times the size. For real. <laughs> like, oh my God. But yeah, I mean, that's the only thing I can think of. He, he knew where the money was and he, he was, I guess, trying to get more involved with Ben, like on this treasure hunt that mm -hmm. lawyer Ben had set up for him and whatnot. Dang. Yeah. You know what? Now I'm thinking about how did dollar bills look in 1960? Did they look the same as we know now? I wasn't alive. I don't know. That, that's a good question, though. If you were though. born, you know, if you were alive in 1960, hit us up. How old are you? <laughs> yes, please. I don't want to do math. It's too late. <laughs> it, it is way too late. Excuse <laughs> me. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's all I can think of when it comes to lawyer Ben dealing with Buck. And then... At that same time, when he was dealing with Buck, Elaine, the, I'm guessing the maid who was oh. in Dr. Zorba's house. She was like a, oh, I was going to make a Harry Potter reference, like the <laughs> house elf that stayed to protect the house in the serious, Only in she the didn't, house. She didn't get a sock though, so I mean, she must Damn. have been stuck. <laughs> it must have been cold. 
Oh God, but in the beginning, when Buck was talking about Elaine, she he kept calling her the witch. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, she she looks like a witch, and she always talks about these spirits. And they and were like, like, rude, don't call her that. Right. But, but she I, does. <laughs> yes, for real. I mean, s- spoiler alert, not that I expect anybody to see this movie, but it's pretty clear in the end that she was a witch. Because there, mm-hmm. were, there were lifted objects going on around the house. Nothing too violent, really. Yeah. And then I think, well, this is what I think. She had a uh, sort of premonition of Dr. Zorba's death. Because she would talk about how, oh, Dr. Zorba used to get all of his, uh, what, like stocks and whatnot, turn mm-hmm. it into cash, and just hide it in his house. And she would say it was foolish of him to do that because... Mm-hmm. I think she knew that Lawyer Ben was a snake. Yeah. Like, I, I can't think of any other reason why, you know, she would think, like, she would care so much mm-hmm. about what Dr. Zorba is doing with his earnings, with his life, and then, you know, without thinking, he, you know, he's going to die. And mm-hmm. then his, his money is just out there. Yeah. I have to do something about it. That's probably why she stuck around the house after he passed, too. Just because she knew that freaking slimy lawyer Ben was going to come <laughs> back for the moolah. Right. And that's why I had this little theory. Because in the very end of the movie, as soon as the family leaves and they, they get their money, they, they learn that Ben was a snake and they moved to a new house, whatever. Elaine is left alone in the same old house. And then they change the camera view towards one of the goggles. I'm sorry, I forgot to mention in the beginning that you can only see the ghosts in this house through a special pair of goggles that were made. Yeah, he like explained a little bit. It was some, you know, long scientific words about <laughs> electrons and some other, something or other. Yeah. And but, but there was just one pair of glasses in this first movie, right? In the 1960s version? Yes. And in the 1960s version, they didn't explain how the goggles were made. Um, yes, they did. They did. Mm-hmm. The, oh, um, he took them to. He took that and the Latin book oh. to his coworker at the museum and asked him to translate the Latin. And then, what about these glasses? And and yeah, it was this coworker who said that I forgot Doctor Zorba, right? That was his name. Like yeah. made them. Oh, duh. Out of a special glass and special, <laughs> you know, charge or whatever that no. was able to see the ghosts. Oh, true. Okay, but then like. I couldn't help but wonder, because in that end of the movie, after the family left, they showed the goggles Mm -hmm. suddenly levitating, and then, like, just blowing up. Really? It just just disappeared, disintegrated, whatever you want to call it. Do you think the witch did that? Yes, because then shortly afterward, Elaine just stands there, grabs the broom that happens to be right next to her, poses it in front of her, smiles at the camera, and walks off. Does she fucking wiggle her nose like that one? <laughs> <in> the- <laughs> is it bewitched? No. Is it bewitched? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> her nose. <laughs> Man, but let me tell you, like, I am so glad that I found out about the actors who played Elaine because she was indeed the Wicked Witch of the West in Wizard wow. of Oz. So I thought, <laughs> oh my god, of Wait, course she'd be a witch. Was that before or after? Which, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Uh, that's a good question because both are in black and white and I don't know what your Wizard of Oz is. I'm going to look this up because we got (laughs) the power of the internet in our hands. Yeah, right? Because, I mean, whichever one came first, it's interesting to find out because, well, one of them was obviously a, uh, an influence for the next one. You know what I'm saying? 1939. Oh my God. You know... That that makes sense. She did look a bit younger in uh, Wizard of Oz. Dang, she was typecast after that. Yeah, she was. She was destined to play Harry Potter the rest of her life. <laughs> and you know what's funny? When I went on IMDb for her, and they showed her little profile and, and the, the headshot, mm-hmm. it's of her with the witch's hat. Oh, really? Maybe yeah. she loved that. Maybe <laughs> that was her thing. You know, like, hire me, I'm a witch. I can see that. And, you know, I maybe it's just me. But I feel like that actress kind of gave me the same vibes as the actress from The Nun. Mm. Like, they both had the same distinct features, you know, mm-hmm. their noses. And they're, 
they both seem to be destined to play a certain type of role. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I, you know, I thought that was very interesting. I was going to say something mean. Oh, no. <laughs> Ugly people can get into Hollywood, too. <laughs> It's okay. I have a shot. Oh my <laughs> God, stop it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so when I saw the goggles like levitating and then being destroyed, like I couldn't help but think if that was her doing and then if she just simply put a spell on the, on the goggles to make, you know, the Zorba family see these uh, illusions mm-hmm. rather than actual ghosts. So, I mean, maybe then she was even using the spirit of Dr. Zorba to do that whole circle thing. But, like, I don't know. I think in that case, she, like, there was no ghost. Hmm. That's what I think. Well, maybe she, okay, you brought up a good point that she could have, like, put a spell or an enchantment on the glasses to make them see you yeah. know, to lift the veil, as you will say, <laughs> in Vampire Diaries. <laughs> I'm going to bring that up every episode. Oh my god. I, Harry Potter and Vampire Diaries, I'm pretty sure I brought up, like, every episode for the past. Anyways, so maybe, <laughs> maybe yeah, maybe doc- they said that Dr. Zorba made the glasses, but maybe he, like, thought he made the glasses and she was always there wiggling her nose. Ding, ding, ding. Oh, like, oh, hey, it works. You yeah, did it. Yeah, you did it. Good job, Yay. guys. Feed the man's ego. <laughs> oh my god. But it's too late for this. I'm a little sassy, okay? (laughs) So I'm thinking like this whole... Because they didn't show a lot of detail Mm -hmm. or background about the ghost in the 1960s version compared to 2001. Mm -hmm. Which is why I think like Elaine was a witch, the mastermind behind these so-called hauntings Mm -hmm. and just an elaborate scheme to just avenge Dr. Zorba's death to mm-hmm. bring justice to lawyer Ben and to bring the money to the rightful owners or beneficiaries, I guess. Yeah, good theory. I also kind of had this sort of idea, what if it was actually Elaine that killed Ben? Huh. Because, I mean, just seeing that scene with Dr. Zorba's spirit just slowly pushing lawyer Ben onto the bed... It seemed rather um, like someone was casting a spell and it was slowly working mm-hmm. like like Lawyer Ben was in a trance. Mm-hmm. He ended up having to obey and go on the bed. I mean, that's what I think. I don't know. But so then that's all I can get from the 1960s version. And then I also found some horror movie rules actually in this one as well. So we can get to that. So some of the rules that I kind of guesstimated that were that was in the 1960s version of this movie first one is where you can't say i'll be right back and the little kid sure enough buck he said i'll be right back i thought oh my god what's gonna happen to him but um what happened beforehand is that he was talking to lawyer ben and he said that to lawyer ben and i feel like that was kind of a loophole he was already talking to like this shady character Mm -hmm. because usually when you say i'll be right back you end up going towards a shady character or bad Mm -hmm. guy but the bad guy was right there so i mean that's what i thought too um and plus not to mention the uh their secret that they keep mentioning that buck keeps saying to everybody it's a secret it's a secret but um basically though ben lawyer ben was actually using buck to get to the hidden money, and Buck clearly was not aware of that. So I thought that was interesting. And then another thing that I found was that a Ouija board was actually used in this film, Mm -hmm. and I did not expect that at all. But uh, from what I have found throughout a good number of films was that whenever a Ouija board was used, it would lead to a possession of a child. Like specifically a kid? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's what I've always found with The Exorcist, The Conjuring 2. Um, But instead, it seemed like this Ouija board was actually used to try to communicate towards the family and trying to warn them. Mm -hmm. Because, well, the, um, what's that triangular piece that is moved? Oh, shoot. It starts with a P. Oh, The planchette? Yes, that. 
when it was being lifted. Oh, yeah, really silly. It definitely was definitely on a string, but that's okay. You know, I'm pretty sure you can see the string. (laughs) But it was uh, pointing towards the daughter, and I couldn't help but think, oh, well, they're they're just trying to warn the family that she's a next target, probably. Mm -hmm. But uh, I, I thought that was interesting how the Ouija board, it didn't, that didn't lead to something really demonic. Mm-hmm. That's um, interesting. I'm going to have to take a look anytime a Ouija board comes up. Uh, I mean, obviously, like, children are always <laughs> the most innocent souls, so they're always the ones that get targeted by spirits and demons, but oh yeah. But it's interesting that you correlated the Ouija boards with the kids because I never thought of that. Yeah. And then at that same time, when the Ouija board was basically saying that there was a ghost in the house that was intending to harm... Um, I couldn't help but think that Ben was the only shady person in the room, not even the ghosts. And before he became a ghost, he was infiltrating the family as like a, a more human form of possession. Like he wasn't a demon. Oh, so okay. You know so what you're I mean? Like he was possessing the family by like wiggling himself, his little slimy self in there. Right, like dating the daughter, dating Medea, and then doing that secret treasure hunt with Buck. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of like winning their trust. And so I thought, damn, that, that's, that's... Like a possessive. form of possession. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yum. Yes, I'm pretty... <laughs> I try. I try. Um, <laughs> Don't touch me. I'm too hot. <laughs> oh, my out. God. <laughs> and then another thing that I found was, well, from what I've seen, the ghosts are usually the ones who hurt people first because... That's usually how it is in a scary movie. Oh, why go in that house? Oh, no, that ghost is going to harm you. It's always been assumed that way. But in this case, Ben was the one who turned Dr. Zorba into a ghost, basically. And clearly Ben was alive when he did it. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it only makes sense. And then... So who's the real danger here? Humans or ghosts? (laughs) See? Right. That's what I'm saying. moving back, by the way. I'm sorry. But, um... And it wasn't until then that Dr. Zorba, as a ghost, did harm. Got his revenge by killing Ben in the way that Ben killed him. So, I How the turntables. Oh, yeah. How the planchette points. (laughs) So then let's move on to the 2001 remake, which goes way more in depth. And I really liked it very much. Okay, so the 2001 remake of 13 Ghosts focuses on a family with the last name Criticos instead of Zorba. I'm not sure exactly why they changed the last name. Maybe it was for copyright reasons, perhaps. But they did keep the um, the first name of the father, actually, from the 1960s version. But that name was used for the uncle in the 2001 remake. Oh, yeah. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I, I thought that was interesting. Same with uh, Lawyer Ben. Again, that's why I'm calling him Lawyer Ben, because he is a constant in both of the films. Also, yeah, and that was probably, that might have been so that they can um, kind of, ah, shoot, what is it, red herring? Is that what it's called? When there, there's something misleading that makes you oh. think, oh, hey, this guy was in the last movie, so maybe he's going to be the same guy in this movie. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So yeah, Cyrus Criticos who, um, like Dr. Zorba, did ghost hunting. But unlike the 1960s version, in this one, we went more into depth as to um, how Cyrus did these ghost huntings, what his methods were, and some of them seemed rather sickening, honestly. Hmm. And um, he was, he seemed... Like this rich guy, you know, coming out of this old school car with a cane and a cape blowing around in the wind amongst a bunch of uh, team members and helmets with flashlights and running around in a junkyard. You know, he gave me he gave me the same vibes as Paco. <laughs> We're recording a podcast. Can you calm down? He just turned around like, what I do? <laughs> He's still <laughs> He just has to get comfortable. <laughs> so, <laughs> Cyrus Criticos. 
we were talking about the way he looked he strolled in with the wind blowing his cape or whatever yeah he gave me the same vibes as the guy from jurassic park oh like and it's it's interesting because he's like look what i created and what did he create the house no what did he not know the power of the house oh my god and and it ended up destroying itself yeah oh my god that's insane can i segue back to the word criticos yes uh okay I can't read any of this words because it's ancient Greek is the origin of it. Oh, my God. But the kind of, like, the, as an adjective, kritikos kind of meant able to judge. Critic. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm stupid. Okay. <laughs> but symbolism, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, able to judge. Who was able to judge? Apparently not freaking Cyrus Kritikos. Yeah, that's true. And he didn't care if anybody judged him. You're right. He really didn't care. Um, yeah, he was the type of guy who was very power hungry. Yeah. And I don't know if that was portrayed as much with Dr. Zorba mm-hmm. in, in the 1960s version, but in this one, this guy was a real asshole. Yeah, Dr. Zorba in the first one kind of felt like he was just curious about everything. Like, he just wanted to know more. He was studying them. But this guy, he seemed like, like, I, well, we'll get to it later probably, but, like, the whole point of him capturing these ghosts was not to study them, but to use them. Yeah. In, like, a bad way. Like, basically, like, ghost slaves for yeah. their energy. And, what was it? Lawyer Ben had mentioned earlier in the film that Mr. Criticos was... A collector of mm. some sorts so I couldn't help but feel that when he he built that house mm-hmm. and had those uh, cubicles little glass jail cells right built for each one clearly he, he was collecting them for some for something big and not only did he like hire an entire team of people to you know run a, a truck that sprays out blood as bait yeah. He also had a, um, I, I don't know if he was considered an assistant, but he was the guy he who called worked. himself his assistant. Oh, oh okay. Um, Dennis Rafkin. Yeah. Um, and he was very clairvoyant. Anybody that he touched, spiritually or like physically, he could see what was going on in their lives. He mm-hmm. could see, mm-hmm. like, probably even premonitions, honestly. Their past, things like that. And same thing goes for whenever anybody touched him. He had a scientific word for it, too. Oh, he did? Something, li- I think he said, like, linking, or... Oh, yeah. He's like, that's what the psychologists call it, linking, and... <laughs> I can see you're passing your memories, and I don't want to. But oh, they flash before my eyes. Now, when he said psychologist, was he talking about his... Oh, like, like, did he have a therapist, maybe? I don't know. Hmm. Did we even talk about who the actor is yet? Matthew Lillard. Oh, my God. (laughs) He did really well in this character. If I ever get the chance to meet that guy, (laughs) I will let you meet him instead. (laughs) Hey, sounds good to me. I want to meet him. Sounds like a ball of energy that I can't handle. I I totally can. (laughs) Like, we can vibe, man. Let's go. Um, But his character... Dennis Rapkin, it had so much growth, and it surprised me throughout, theoretically, this one night mm-hmm. in this film. Mm-hmm. He started out as, like, you know, this guy who was constantly worried and, you know, needed to take something to get up, get the edge off, you know, with seeing all these ghosts and had even some comic relief to then, spoiler alert, sacrificing himself, actually showing care for the people that he just met. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was a really good character, and I was actually rather sad that he died, but... I don't think he sacrificed himself. No? I think, well, I don't count it as a sacrifice because he knew that it was his time. Oh, well, true, yeah. He had that He did protect the guy, though, you're right. He, like, put the glass uh, wall with the protection spell to kind of protect the the dude. Yeah, no, that's true. Oh, I still feel like I've seen somewhere else that we're not mentioning. <laughs> oh, the the guy who played uh, Arthur? Yeah. Yeah, all I, all I can think of is uh, Mr. Minion from Spy Kids. <laughs> <laughs> and hey, he did good at that part too. He played a bad guy in that. I, I didn't think he'd be good at that. But um, yeah, so Dennis Rafkin was a very clairvoyant assistant to Cyrus Criticos 
who kept having to do more and more work for him. Cyrus was a very demanding person, but like without giving Dennis the pay that he was contracted, the pay yeah. that he was owed, you know. But uh, he really grew from a person wanting money. And, and that, w that was another interesting thing. In this remake, there were two people who were after Cyrus's money. Yeah, greed was a big thing in this movie. Mm-hmm. Now, with Dennis, I feel like it was less like... Well, Lawyer Ben was like for a want. Dennis seemed for a need. Because he was like, hey, you know, you contracted me to hunt 12 ghosts for you, and mm -hmm. you still haven't paid me for it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm working for you. I, I need this. Yeah. So I'm, that's what I think that there's a difference, a big difference between him and Lawyer Ben in that case. He did take money to go to the basement. He, he did take money to go to the basement. But you're right. It does sound a little more desperate than just, you know, ooh, money, let me take it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. But um, I found out uh, where he, where I've seen him before. Where? Men in Black. Men in Black. At all. Oh my Jeeves. God! That he's was Jeeves. Jeeves. <laughs> I, I was, was like, him. why had this guy's face ingrained <laughs> in my brain? It's because I've been watching Men in Black since I was freaking little. Because you kept watching the head regrow. Like, exactly. how do you forget that? Exactly. <laughs> and then his eye was always the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> how did he do that shit? Like, I'm surprised he wasn't Pennywise just for that. Like his <laughs> eyes. Oh my god, that was great. I'm so <laughs> glad you made that discovery because I completely forgot about that movie. I just... <laughs> I was like, this that man's face is in my head. Oh, he also played Luigi in Cars. He what? <laughs> I did not know that. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> um, okay. So, Sorry, back on track. Go ahead. Yes. Uh, so, again, after we see uh, Cyrus Criticos trying to... Uh, hunt a ghost in the beginning of the movie and then it really goes to shit when all of his team members die and uh, the only one who survives is Dennis mm. and then Kalina who was teamed up with someone named Damon. They were both basically let's say ghost rights activists honestly. That, that's what <laughs> that's I call what, it. That's the vibes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they, they knew that Cyrus was like taking them as prisoners and they wanted them like, ghosts should be free. They are, she said, she even said they are human beings. Right. Yes. And she was one of the only ones who survived, too. And um, her boyfriend, partner, whoever that was, Damon, yeah. didn't survive. But uh, I couldn't help but notice that she seemed to be portrayed as the so-called witch that, you know, was in the 1960s version because she had... Uh, these tapes and spells, uh, this book called called the Arcanum, uh, which was that book that was written while under demonic possession. I don't remember if she clarified that Cyrus was the one who yeah. wrote the book. Mm -hmm. While under demonic possession, and I'm surprised that, well, not surprised, that they didn't go more in depth yeah. into that because a guy who was into hunting ghosts somehow becomes under demonic possession. But Cyrus is the type of person whose soul isn't that pure. It's the type of soul that, you know, demons wouldn't try to fight in your body for. You know what I mean? It's just like, oh, uh, okay, you're practically one of us already. I think he was our, I th okay, theory, he was always demonically possessed. Uh, that's true. Because why would you want, <laughs> why would you write that to open the gates of hell if you're not already, like, possessed by a demon? That's From true. the beginning of the movie. Yeah, and he kept talking about doing great things, being greater and all-powerful, and, I mean, de demonic, powerful, it kind of yeah. makes sense. <laughs> um, but yeah, that Arcanum... It also had the map of the house, the machinery, mm -hmm. and the backstories of all of the ghosts as well. Mm -hmm. And the type of ghosts that were needed, I guess, for uh, mm -hmm. to be in that house. Or yeah, it was the representations of the 12 Dark Zodiac. 12 Dark Zodiac. And that, that was very interesting as well. But uh, her role 
completely did a 180 on me. For one thing, I did not expect her to be in love with Cyrus after- Yeah, that was gross. Yeah, I mean, okay. I couldn't see them trying to turn the story around with her suddenly working together with Cyrus, keeping it platonic. But did they have to kiss? Yeah, with his freaking <laughs> slashed neck, and she's like, mm, come here, you big... I'm so, I'm so God. Stop. Uh, bring that nose up in here, baby. Stop. Like, Leave his nose alone. <laughs> Ugly people have a place in Hollywood. Oh God. But yeah, like oh, that. Oh, hunk a burning who? Uh, I was trying to figure out what I was quoting. <laughs> you hunk a burning who? Oh my it's God. It's, it's it's a great movie. But yeah, that romance part, lust, whatever it is. That didn't need to happen. We could have lived without that. It was not necessary. Although, I wish I would have known, like, maybe a better reason Mm -hmm. as to why Kalina was suddenly working for Cyrus and and doing these things (gasps) for him. Theory. Huh. Well, since he was under demonic possession, would he basically just, like, I don't know, enchanted, hypnotized? But that's some witchy shit. (laughs) No, him. The demoness. (gasps) Oh! Hmm. To her. He did it to her. Okay. I can to see make her that. blindly follow. I don't think she's a witch. I think she just studied the occult. Yeah. I think there's a difference between being a witch and studying the occult. Then again, I only know, like, white witches, so. <laughs> we no, I don't mean, like, white like the person. I mean, like, white witch versus <sighs> dark. Okay. No, that, that's... Sure. Okay. Anyway. As in, I only know witches that do good things, okay? I don't know any witches that put curses or hexes. I don't go that way. It scares me. No, that, that, that is totally okay. But I, I do agree with you that she was indeed an occultist because I think, well, at least in 2001, they were trying to sort of modernize the idea of a witch. Mm-hmm. It wasn't someone, you know, with a broom and a hat and making things float. But it, they definitely use that character to go more in depth to the stories with the Thirteenth Ghosts and the yeah. Criticos family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So she just popped out of nowhere too. She really did. And like I slipped through a crack while the house was shifting. Bitch, please. Like you, you apparated or something. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. No one's gonna like easily walk into that house and easily walk out. I mean, I, I guess she was a great help at first but um she had those weird ass flares yeah she had like these flares that the ghost the ghost would just randomly vanish if she like poked him with it or whatever like what was it it was just like a holy flare i don't like, know just, <laughs> holy flare. a flare blessed by priests. Yeah. i don't know you know I'll, I'll believe it i'll believe it but uh the um then i want what i want to get to is the the criticos family how they got into that house in the first place. Because in the 1960s version, they, the family was just losing their furniture. And they needed to move into a new house. And the, the dead <laughs> uncle happened you, to have... You make what? it sound like they didn't have a sofa, so they had to move. <laughs> that was basically it. No, <laughs> they were struggling with money. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay, yeah, you know what? I'll give them that. Money, but like, is a, money is a really big thing that families... <laughs> Lots of divorces happen. <laughs> oh my god! No, I mean, but but seriously, they were struggling with money, and like that's why they were so desperate. That, like in the nineteen sixty movie, they told them, like, "There's ghosts in this house. Are you sure you want it?" Yeah, that's true. And they were like, "Well, we have no other place to live. Our house is being repoed." So yeah, like, oh, it has some ghosts. That's not so bad. We'll, right. we'll, we'll be fine. Everything is fine. But this family had a tragedy. Their house was on fire, and the mom somehow was stuck in the house with the fire and died there. And I thought, oh my god, that's just sad. And then when they showed her ghost in the uncle's house, I I wasn't even scared. I was just like, it, it caught my breath. I was like, oh my god. And, and the youngest kid mm-hmm. is seeing his mom like this? Like, yeah, half burned and... Um, she was connected to an IVs and like, yeah, that that would scar me. It, it was so sad. Yeah, and and like it like really clicked together when at first. What is the little kid's name? Do we have the little kid's name? Uh you know I had to look on uh, IMDb for him. Abby. 
Bobby. Bobby, what's his okay. name? Okay, when Bobby was about to go down to the basement and like, mm. and you heard the multiple ghosts fighting, like, Bobby, come here. And then Mel was saying, Bobby, go back upstairs. Bobby, turn around. Bobby, don't look. And, like, once you see the mom, you're like, damn, that was the mom the whole time. It really is heartbreaking. It it is. I was like, oh, my God. Kid, run. Listen to your mother. Please. But, um, yeah, it was really unfortunate that the mom had passed away and the house was destroyed. And then suddenly they had overdue bills. They were living in a crappy apartment with their nanny, which, by the way, the nanny. (laughs) Love her. Oh, my God. She was great. She was great. But, um... Yeah, and so they definitely had a uh, very dramatic, like, reason for them, like, to have that struggle. Yeah, like and... a big tragedy instead of, like, just financial struggle. Yeah. It was, like, a tragedy and a death. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it, it, it brought a lot more um, interest into this remake. But what I did like was that, uh, once again, Lawyer Ben, mm-hmm. the constant in both films, as well as his motive, basically, to go after the money. But um, I'll just say one of the rules that I found that I'll discuss later, but this particular one that I found in, like, kind of scary movies or even action movies, were that the most greediest person, when they achieve what it is that they want, and once they sold someone out and stole the goods... In the very end, they, they get what's coming to them. They get mm-hmm. what they deserve. They get mm-hmm. punished. But, like, basically in the beginning of this movie, practically, Lawyer Ben is just cut out. Uh-huh. Literally. <laughs> nice choice of words. I see what you did there. No pun intended, I he swear. He was cut out. <laughs> oh, my God. But, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm glad they ended that one quick because... Clearly, that character needed to go. <laughs> the nanny. Did he split? <laughs> yes, he split. And if you guys see this movie, you will understand what we're saying. Yes, please it watch was gross. it. Oh, speaking of those gruesome deaths, like mm. people were freaking like backs were broken, people were folded in half. It was like blood everywhere. Oh my god! It was pretty gruesome, actually. It was. And it- the most gruesome part was. Oh no. The girl's eyebrows. Damn, two thousand one. <laughs> oh, they the were daughter like drawn lines. Yeah, they were really thin. Yeah. I can I cannot believe I let my eyebrows do that oh at my one god, point. Don't look at mine. Was, Stop. <laughs> no. Oh my god. So then, this very interesting looking house. It had all glass walls practically, and mm-hmm. until they, you know, shut it down and had like these. Uh, Metal sheets, I guess. I don't know. That's what I would describe it as. Pretty much, yeah. And then on the glass walls, they all had Latin writing on them. Mm-hmm. So I guess that indicated the the spells that would uh, protect against the ghosts. Protection okay. spells, yeah. Yeah. And then, again, the uh, containment cubes that were there for each ghost. Mm-hmm. And the Basilius dial? I, I don't know if that was the correct term for it. But that was uh, in the center of the house. H- how would you describe it? It was kind of like, <laughs> bear with me here. Like when Shrek says onions have layers. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, the big circle, it had layers. And each layer was mm-hmm. spinning at different times. Okay, I so guess. It, yeah, it was like if you look at a floor and it's really beautiful and then there's rings. Rings. I that's would describe the onion layer. rings. Right? <laughs> onions, onions have layers. Ogres have layers. There you go. You know what? Cakes. Cakes. Everybody loves cakes. <laughs> no, cakes have layers. So, like, oh my all, god. We no. Can, you and I can probably quote Shrek like word for word. Let's do it right now. No. <laughs> so the floor of the house, in the center of the house, had rings, and each ring got obviously gradually bigger, and it had symbols. So as mm. the symbols were lining up. Once it would line up, the next ring would start spinning with it. Mm-hmm. And, but directly underneath that was the Basilius dial mechanism thing. Because basically the whole house was oh. a machine, right? So yeah. directly underneath all those rings in the basement was this like big-ass machine with like these buttons and switches and whatever the fuck the slidey things are called. Oh, oh, like the like the DJ things or the ones in the sound <laughs> yeah, room. Yeah, volume. Put the but volume up. <laughs> put put up the noise base. out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, or... Go ahead. Oh, the Basilius. I'll let you lead. I don't 
<laughs> well, I know that, well, obviously it had 12 different symbols that represented each ghost yeah. or the their own zodiac signs. Yeah. Their, their dark zodiac signs, I guess you could say. But um, That's if, the device that the guy made under demonic possession, right? Yes. Yeah, it was. That was a freaky thing, too. Like, it had, like, all these gears and shit just, like, overlapping yeah. each other. Super like CGI, but actually looks pretty cool. Like, I was scared, like, I take one step and I'm gonna, like, weave <laughs> into it. Yikes. <laughs> Imagine getting your hair caught. <laughs> no, that's why oh, I cut it short. Oh, short now. Yes. We yes, should make a new logo. Oh, that, that would be great. Okay, we'll do it for the next episode. <laughs> Sounds good. But, um, and I don't remember seeing this uh, up close. But when all of the ghosts were standing uh, in that Basilius area around the kids and they had their arms up and whatnot. Yeah. Um, and since they had the symbols on mm -hmm. that circle, was each ghost standing on their respective symbol? I think so, because when uh, Arthur was looking and counting, at, counting them, mm -hmm. he was he like picture of symbol and then look at the ghost. Picture of symbol, look at the ghost. And okay. he was counting on his fingers until he got to 12. And then mm. it clicked in his head to shit on the 13th. Oh, okay. Okay, that makes sense. But there was only 12 on the floor. And I guess he was supposed to jump into the saws. I don't even know. I I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Instructions unclear. Yeah, right. Um, now, initially, I couldn't help but think. And this is because the last time I saw 13 ghosts, I was like... Probably 2001. 2001. How old was I? I was in first grade. Oh, okay. So I was in the second. <laughs> um, so this movie scared me so much. Yeah. That in the three times that I kept trying to watch it again, I would close my eyes and fall asleep. <laughs> Which is so weird to me. I cannot sleep after <laughs> watching scary movies and you close your eyes from the scary and fall asleep. How? I, I don't Teach know. Me your ways. <laughs> but, um,. Oh, God, where was I going with this? I don't remember. I forgot. That you were little when you watched it, and it was scary and spooky, and you fell asleep. <laughs> but um, It's probably because you don't dream. That's why. It probably is. I, if I, like, after I saw The Ring, I couldn't sleep for days. Really? Yeah. Like, oh it would have to be, like, my body knocking me out, because every time I close my eyes, I just see that freaking girl. Really? Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah, no, I... I, I Really don't know why that happens with me, but it does. I, I guess that's why, like, I'm not so You're scared much. You're weird. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but that's why you like scary movies. Yeah, I was just going to say. But, um... You're not weird. Thank you. The... <laughs> oh, what was I going to say? Let's just... <laughs> what else you got here? Should we just move on to roles? Yeah. Yeah, I mentioned that part already. Um, so then, in the 2001 remake, I was able to find some rules here and there as well. Um, what I have tend to find also is that clairvoyant people are the ones who tend to survive more, mm -hmm. uh, given uh, Dennis and, I did not type that name right, Kalina. Kalina, yeah, like Karina, but with an L. Yes, Dennis and Kalina, they had survived that ghost attack from uh, the Juggernaut in the very beginning of the film. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't help but think, is it because they're able to sense, you know, these spirits that they're able to survive? Yeah. Like, also, do the ghosts sense different intentions from those people compared to the others that the were Juggernaut to, killed? Yeah, that they were there to trap them. Right. Yeah. Because clearly, K Kalina was like, no, you can't kidnap these ghosts. You leave them alone. But that was also a front. Yeah. Which we learn later. Yeah, seriously. I I didn't like that. That was a 180 for me. I, it was a good plot twist for a movie. It was, yeah. And then another plot twist was where she got squished by a wall. Yeah. <laughs> Squeezed like a grape. <laughs> um, wait. Squish. <laughs> Are you done? <laughs> I don't know. But, uh... Uh, you can you can say that her character was anything but flat. Uh, uh, no, that was a bad one. <laughs> <laughs> well, another role <laughs> that I found. I'm making a face. Sorry. Uh, so compared 
to the uh, original movie where the ghosts, where I thought the rule was that ghosts were the first to harm. Mm -hmm. In this case, it seemed to be that the ghosts were harming or killing. Yeah. Like, the juggernaut for first thing was killing all those uh, workers, uh, dismembering yeah. them. With and a cool silver jacket. <laughs> and, like, I don't know, flattening them and whatnot. But um, also, there was another ghost who was... The... Um, the one with the cage around her face. Uh, the, the banshee? No. <laughs> the banshee. The jackal? The jackal, yes. When she, he, she, I'm not sure, uh, took a hold of the daughter, mm -hmm. dragging her down the hallway, lifting her up on the wall, and scratching the living hell out of her on, on, her, on her face and her chest. Okay, by the way, mm. I just have to mention, when the daughter was being scratched all over the place, did they have to show, like, clothes ripping and then her bra almost ripping yes, off her left why? tit? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, like... because I was thinking the exact same thing because there was a ghost in this movie called the Angry Princess. Oh, yes. And she was basically, like, this naked woman with cuts all around her body. Oh, no. They really did focus on her a lot, too. I think it was just fanfare. I think it was just trying to, like, Ooh, It could be. Boobs. Like, Ooh. That's true. Ah, and you know what else is boobs? Ghosts. Boobs. <laughs> oh my god. Gotta get out of here. Okay. But it's like... Too late for that. <laughs> I could Oh my god, it's midnight. Yay. No, no yay, that's scary. <laughs> no, stop. I, I couldn't help but think also that another reason why they could have elongated that scene with the... What, what, what was her name? The withered lover? No, no, that, that was the mom. The, um, the, the boob lady. <laughs> <What's> <laughs> the the angry princess. <laughs> the angry princess. Sorry. <laughs> when they elongated that scene with her in the bloody bathtub and the daughter her eyes rinsing cool. her face. Her, her eyes were cool. I think, I couldn't help but think the reason why they kept that scene going was to try to get some sort of connection i guess between the two because when the daughter was getting scratched up and her rip uh, her clothes getting ripped off and whatnot mm -hmm. i couldn't help but feel what if the angry angry princess yes the angry princess sorry was we should make like a scene. little flashcards for you I, I you really should uh <laughs> what i was saying was that what if the angry princess was facing a similar fate what if she was maybe somehow abused by the jackal and she couldn't handle it anymore i'm sorry oh. ended ended right there. good theory maybe because it um. was the same like she had all like angry princess had all these scratches around her body yeah and girl named whatever her name is oh kathy kathy, kathy was getting scratched all over her body including her chesticles <laughs> her ch <laughs> Where do you come up with this? I, I don't, I'm pretty sure that came from, like, middle school. Someone probably said that in middle school. Chesticles. I no, love it. No, stop. Don't repeat it. <laughs> but, yeah, I couldn't help but think there could have been a potential second happening mm -hmm. from the angry princess, but that's what I think. Anyway, that's another... thing. <laughs> Thank you. Another sort of rule that has been common. I know you're laughing at me, Jenny. I'm not laughing at you because I said that was a good thing and you said thank you and it reminded me of um, oh my God. the Marvel movie Shoot. What is it? Our Civil memories War. are better now. Yeah, okay. I'm getting so off topic but that's because it's nighttime. The <laughs> Captain America Civil War and Ant-Man goes, thanks for thanking of me. <laughs> oh my God. Anyways, you got good thanks. Continue. Thanks. So, <laughs> I'm a polite person. I can't help it. I have to say thank you. <laughs> Anyways, another rule that I have learned is that, okay, black people tend to die in horror movies. It has been seen, it has been done too many times to my liking. But, in this movie, they did it different. Mm -hmm. They get not only was the nanny, uh, Maggie, 
suddenly in that control room mm-hmm. of the, uh, oh god, what was it called again? Bas- ba- I almost said basilisk. 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 No, the Basilius. <laughs> the Basilius dial. The Basilius dial. She was at the control center of it, like with all the dials and shit. Yeah, and you know, she was messing it all up and stopping the whole chanting and whatnot and caused the uh, whole thing to explode, basically. Mm-hmm. And then they gave that impression that the thing was exploding. She was like, oh, shit. Explosion. Okay, it, then it looked like she wasn't going to survive that. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, well, okay, if they were going to kill her off, at least she died with a purpose. Yeah. But then in the very end of the movie, after the, the father hugs the kids and, yeah. and they everything is happily ever after, she is like, I am not going to be a nanny no more. You, you cannot pay me enough to take care of these this kids. This wasn't I in my job out. description. <laughs> She's great. And she sang yeah. the credit song at the end, too. Or rap. It was pretty good. It was good. It's in my head. Yeah. Mirror, mirror. Okay. <laughs> that was wonderful. <laughs> and then, okay, yeah. Another role was, again, the greediest people tend to die last, but... In this case, lawyer Ben died first, so there you go. Okay, weren't they, question, weren't they all greedy in this movie? You're right. We'll say the daughter. Because she was like, you know, trying on the perfumes in the yeah. bathroom. She's oh, like, maybe? we hit the jackpot. <gasps> what, are the se- what are the seven deadly sins? Maybe they each, nah, probably not. Greed, you know, lust, no, there was no lust. Gluttony, no one was eating anything. Damn, they didn't have snacks. I had that idea at first. Because I thought of lust with, the, I'm sorry, I thought of lust with um, the angry princess at first, oh, yeah. but it seemed to go yeah, in a different direction. Yeah, not seven. Yeah. It, Never it, mind. That, well, it was because like I felt like the daughter wasn't, she wasn't greedy with money. She was more like vain with herself. Yeah, that's true. She was kind of just like maybe you know, like Hillary Banks. <laughs> <laughs> Daddy, can I get some money? Can I have three hundred dollars? <laughs> Daddy. <laughs> Thanks for hearing our impressions. We're here all week. <laughs> so we're, we're here every Friday, actually. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Tune in every Friday. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then just one last, I guess, rule that I found. And I guess it kind of ties in with the Ouija board being used and leading towards child possession. Mm-hmm. Is that when kids happen to go missing or are taken away in a haunting related movie they're usually taken away for their souls yeah uh you know the loss of innocence shit whatever that is but it was just more simplified than that in this movie they were just used as bait for the dad to become the 13th ghost but then that backfired because then dennis was the one who made the sacrifice he became the 13th ghost right just wanted to make sure but, no, I think, th- well, I don't think they ever got a 13th ghost. No? Mm-mm. Oh, well, okay. I can I can see that. But, yeah, point being, the kids were just bait in this. Um, but, yeah, in this movie, they were very creative in uh, showing these ghosts and how each of them looked... And their different, um, like, movements, their ways of killing, Mm -hmm. and, oh my god. I remember, as a kid, I was terrified of the hammer and the jackal. Mm -hmm. The the makeup and everything on on those two, Mm -hmm. oh my god. (laughs) Yeah, the the jackal was creepy as heck. Oh, yeah, with the cage around and then constantly scratching and moving abnormally fast fast like yeah seriously i was just like "Ooh, okay you stay away from me (laughs) honorable mention was the firstborn which was the kid with the arrow through his head oh because like we didn't really get to see much of him and i kind of wished that he had interacted with bobby the kid the kid in the family oh that would have been an interesting one now i can't help but wonder because i don't think they really went into depth with that ghost but he, he was the firstborn son, right? That's what he was mm-hmm. called. Did Cyrus have any children? I can't help but wonder. <gasps> because, I only say because, clearly, he set up that house fire for his nephew and his family 
to have the mom killed so that he can capture her ghost. What if... That's a crazy theory, because I didn't think he'd set the fire. Really? Yeah, I think it was just opportunity. I, I just can't help but think what could have caused it, because no one went into that. There was no, like... Because, like you said, there was no... Um, what insurance money? Oh yeah, I involved? did. I mentioned I was like he he's like poor now. Like what? There wasn't insurance money or, or you know, life insurance, house insurance, property damage insurance. Right. Natural yeah. cause insurance. I don't know. Like I can't help but think that if the uncle was willing to go as far as to not only collecting the ghost of the mother, mm-hmm. which was technically his niece-in-law yeah (laughs) (laughs) but also to leave oh my god paco i'm sorry if you guys can hear that calmate paquito (laughs) as i was saying not only did cyrus uh collect the ghost of the mother he also went as far as to naming his nephew arthur and his kids as the beneficiaries beneficiaries yeah yeah, to his house and, mm-hmm. and money and whatnot. To bait him in. To bait them in. And clearly that was to lead towards having Arthur sacrifice himself and become the 13th ghost and open that that eye of hell, whatever it was that they called it. Yeah. It was in Latin. It was in Latin. <laughs> Oculus, Inferno, or some shit. So that being said, I couldn't help but think, because this guy... Unlike Dr. Zorba, he was just collecting ghosts, Mm -hmm. just ran, like he wasn't looking for specific types. Yeah. This one was. And if he needed to find a firstborn son, who better than possibly his, if he had one. And it's probably worth rewatching to see when Bobby finds the room with the toys in it. If any of those were, like, cowboys and Indians toys. Because the kid, the firstborn son, had a little, like, a pretend, like, little Indian headband. Oh, yeah. Like a cowboy holster. He literally looked like he was playing cowboys and Indians. Which, heckin' racist game, by the way. Yeah, that was... No. But, yeah, but I totally (laughs) see what you mean. And, honestly, that is solid. That is a solid theory. (laughs) Who? Because... That'd be sick. Like, that would make Cyrus even one, like, an even bigger sick son of a bitch. Like, Ooh, for real. Cursed. I'm sorry, but, like, that guy was an asshole, man. <laughs> I gotta say. <laughs> but that would be very interesting to see if that were the case. Beyond the storyline, which I'll admit, at first, in the beginning of the remake, I thought man, this is cheesy. The acting is, it's a little overdone, a little exaggerated. Mm -hmm. But if you just keep sitting through it and you will get into the more interesting parts, the more gruesome parts of the movie and you forget that any acting was cheesy or anything. So I, I thought that was really good. And I think they did a good job on remaking the original, and they really took a different take mm-hmm. in comparison. So, side note, going back to Men in Black. Oh no. <laughs> um. Okay, which is the Men in Black with the cockroach man? Oh, uh, the first one. That's the first one. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the Men in Black came out before this remake of Thirteen Ghosts, and one of the mm-hmm. first deaths in like the car scene. They, like, fold a guy in half. That was done on Men in Black. Oh, my God. You're right. What the... (laughs) Honestly, creepy as heck. Now I'm scared of being folded in half. Yeah, that did not look comfortable. (laughs) Realign the spine. uh... (laughs) Realign your chakras. Click, click, click. Uh, Glow stick. I'll make the juggernaut my chiropractor. No. (laughs) Okay, but also... Juggernaut was scary, too, because of the hole on his freaking face. I could oh, yeah. not stand the holes. Ugh. No. Yeah, she doesn't like holes. No. Trypophobia? No. Not fun. So that was our first episode where we compared two, ep- or not two episodes, two movies. Remakes. Remakes, yeah. So that was actually really fun to do. And uh, that particular movie was also requested by one of our listeners. So I'll really? just... 
Yeah. Who? JR. JR. Yeah. He Hi, JR. Shout this. out to JR. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed this episode, JR. Um, and so now that I have brought it up, if anyone has any requests for any single movies or any series or remakes like we did just now, just go on our Twitter page at Convos Room or on our Facebook page, Cutting Room Convos, and um, just list your requests right there and then we will accommodate accordingly. Yeah, we'll tell you if it's stupid. No, <laughs> no we will not tell you if it's stupid. Yeah, we'll keep that to ourselves. <laughs> we'll only say if it's stupid after we watched it. <laughs> No, just kidding. And then the next episode, we will start off with The Conjuring movies. Not to be confused with The Conjuring universe movies. We're not going to elongate that that much. (laughs) Yeah, we're just going to stick to the titles Conjuring 1, 2, and 3. Because The Conjuring 3 came out in theaters, what, like a couple weeks ago? So after the whole first wave of reviews has died down we're gonna get into that yeah as we're well. gonna put our opinion in yeah so so that'll be a good four episodes i think and i look forward to it me too <laughs> okay well thank you for listening to us not remembering much and off track a lot yeah it's great but this is Con- cutting room combos i'm yasmin i'm jenny and i'll be right back Cutting Room Combos was recorded at our home studio. All opinions are our own and we do not represent any companies mentioned. This episode was about 13 Ghosts, the 1960s film, directed by William Castle, and 13 Ghosts, the 2001 film, directed by Steve Beck. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Combos Room. Hope you enjoyed.